You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Lightning fans, you found the right show for everything you need to know about your favorite team in the NHL. It's the Lightning Insider Podcast with Eric Erlinson. Get ready for insight, historical perspective, interviews, and breaking news that comes from a reporter insider who's got near 20 years on the Tampa Bay Lightning beat. Now for the latest with the Lightning, here's Eric. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Lightning Insider Podcast. Erlinson, your host from lightninginsider.com. Just want to touch on a few things here today. Don't want to take up too much of everybody's time, but uh, we have some newsy items that I wanted to sort of touch on and kind of give you some perspective on in regards to what the Lightning's doing, some movement that we've seen in regards to some other leagues and the impact it might have on the NHL. So uh, we're going to delve into some of that real quick. I uh, also want to give you a little bit more of the interview that I have with Steven Stamko. So you'll hear a little bit of that uh, a little bit later on here in the episode. Um, also, don't forget, I have a opportunity for you to get a free signed copy of my book, Lightning Strikes. It's out uh, right now from Triumph Books. Um, but I'm going to give you an opportunity to uh, get a signed autographed copy of the book, all you have to do is answer this question in my four-part series of my interview with Steven Stamkos. I asked the question that comes from part three of the series that Steven Stamkos had mentioned one other player that was basically up all night the night they won the Stanley Cup before they had to actually pack up and get ready to go to the plane to head back to Tampa. Send me the answer to who that player was. You can either direct message me on Twitter. Uh, my, my Twitter address is at Eric underscore Erlinson. Again, that's E-R-I-K at, uh, sorry, underscore E-R-L-E-N-D-S-S-O-N. So that's E-R-I-K underscore E-R-L-E-N-D-S-S-O-N. Or, of course, you can email me. That's Eric at LightningInsider.com. I hope you had a chance to check out my most recent podcast, the episode before this one. I had a nice interview with Brian Engblom, 
on it, touching on uh, what he might have done with the his day with the Stanley Cup because that wasn't available in his time. He has a couple of really good stories about the recently retired Doc Emmerich as well as Rick Peckham, his broadcast partner for the past uh, five or so years with Fox Sports' son uh, covering the Lightning and also what it meant to watch this Lightning team this year win a Stanley Cup. So make sure you check that out as well. All right, the uh, the newsy items I wanted to touch on, uh, first of all, the ones that directly involve the Lightning, something we've talked about and mentioned on more than a few occasions, and that was the re-signing of Pat Maroon and Luke Shen. Remember, they had actually agreed to terms with a uh, with a new deal with Tampa Bay back on the first day of free agency. That was all the way back on October the 9th uh, at the beginning of the month. Uh, well, they finally made those deals official. Uh, so Pat Maroon has officially signed his two-year contract that carries a cap hit of uh, $900,000 per year. So that's two years, $1.8 million for Pat Maroon. And the other one is Luke Shen. Luke Shen officially had his contract filed uh, as well. It's a one-year deal worth $800,000. So uh, that's $1.7 million against the cap hit. And we had mentioned before that they were probably trying to hold as much open salary cap space as they possibly could for the uh, the threat of an offsheet against the Mikhail Sergachev or an Anthony Sorelli or an Eric Chernak. I still think those are myths, especially with the uncertain financial climate that the league is facing, that a offer sheet would have to be extremely substantial for another team to not match it. Uh, and, and, and again, in the economic climate, I don't know how viable that might be, but that threat is always out there. So the Lightning for the past 20 days, as I record this here, uh, had kept that salary cap space open before they finally officially filed these contract negotiations uh, extensions for both Shen and for Pat Maroon. Uh, for next season. So both those guys are under contract now officially with the team. It uh, doesn't give them a whole lot of salary cap space, as we know. We've we've talked a lot about where they sit with those two guys uh, still needed to be signed, in particular Sorelli and Sergachev. So it brought up the natural question from uh, several followers on Twitter once that announcement was made a little bit earlier today, and what might this mean to the Lightning moving forward, uh, as Caleb asked a uh, question, silly to ask, no such thing as a silly question, Caleb. Uh, but with these being official, could there be a trade in the works despite having a cap room for these two deals and taking so long to make them official? Yeah, again, trying to keep the cap space open uh, is what there. Um, Gary also asked, uh, is there significance to the timing? I thought they were waiting for corresponding cap moves since the deal has been in those deals have been placed for a while. Is it likely that a trade is in the works or that an offer sheet is less likely based on other teams cap spaced based on their own signings? And another one followed up from Mike. Uh, sounds like they might have the RFAs ready to lock in or some other deals pending on someone they've been trying to move. Very, very possible. It's very possible that they did this now because they have something in the works that's going to open up some salary cap space. I wouldn't say anything at this point right now is imminent. I don't know if we're to that point, if we can think that. Um, but I, I think 
look, they couldn't, to me, they couldn't keep these contracts for Shen and Maroon kind of floating out there for too long because until they're official, they're not official. So both those guys had signed those extensions or had signed their new deals, had signed on, uh, the team had signed on. They just hadn't been filed yet with the league, right? So, um, but you couldn't you couldn't continue to make them wait because, as you know, uh, you could very easily uh, lose those guys, you know, because it's it's and would you would kind of get into some uh, gray areas for sure, um, but uh, you can't you can't leave them hanging out for too long. You can't. So now these deals get official. So it could easily just be as simple as that, that they would just look, get it done, or we're going to move on. Uh, so it gets done, and those two players are under contract. Uh, Pat Maroon, of course, we all know what he meant to the team this year in the run to a Stanley Cup and his leadership in the room and uh, everything. He made. You know, look, the, the numbers, the offensive numbers are not where a lot of people might expect for him, but you didn't sign Pat Maroon to bring in a lot of offense. Just look at his net front presence and what he meant there. Look at his ability to handle the puck down low, uh, especially in the offensive zone. Um, you know, and he's he's a guy that can stick up for teammates if he has to. And, you know, we saw it twice this year, right? He fought Zdeno Chara during the season, so he brings that presence. But it's more it's just as much in the locker room, if anything else, with Pat Maroon, um, with what he means to the team. I think he could say the same thing for Luke Shen. Uh, I can't say that, you know, Luke Shen brings a ton to the ice, but when he is out there, look, he's not somebody who's going to handle top four minutes anymore. He's not that type of defenseman, but he is somebody that helps. And I think you saw during the playoff run sort of what he meant to the team from that aspect, right? He sort of really stuck up for teammates and, you know, you think about the fight that he had with Matt Martin in the Eastern Conference Finals against the New York Islanders. So that stuff kind of comes into play, and, you know, it, it goes a long way with the locker room. It, it it really, really does go a long way with the locker room. So those guys are signed. Uh, does that mean that a trade for Tyler Johnson is imminent? I don't know. I don't get that sense uh, right now. Does that mean that the... Um, there's less chance of a um, offer sheet. Yeah, it, it certainly does have that feel. Uh, I, I thought that there was a difficult opportunity for teams to issue offer sheets anyway, but as teams have kind of, you know, signed free agents and everything like that at this point, you know, I, I think that that threat maybe is not as likely. Um, so maybe that's that's a potential aspect of this as well. Uh, but I just think it comes down to the fact that they couldn't let these contracts sit out there much longer, and we're seeing details on it now. Like Pat Maroon's contract uh, pays him eight hundred thousand this year, one million next year, uh, so it's bigger money in the second half of that contract. I think that's not uncommon in some of these deals that we've seen with players knowing that they're going to have to get back more this year with the flat cap, with the uh, escrow situation that they're going to have to um, you know, get back more money. So they want less money this year and more money next year, hoping that maybe revenues rebound a little bit and the escrow won't be quite as severe uh, of a penalty for players. So uh, I, again, I, I don't see anything imminent coming from this, uh, anything meaning 
that the team has figured anything out. Uh, we'll see going forward, but uh, eventually that will be done. But the problem is, is we don't have a start date yet. We don't have a tentative start date. We have a target date, but we don't have a tentative start date for training camp, the season, all that stuff. Uh, so that sort of complicates things uh, just a little bit. And that does kind of bring us to the next point because we've seen some movement now with some of the other leagues in regards to start dates or anything like that. Look, we know the league, the NHL, continues to target January 1st as a start date. Uh, If that's the case, then training camps would have to open sometime in early December. Uh, And that doesn't even count the seven non-playoff teams from last year who are going to get an extended training camp. So you would have to go out even further from that. uh, You know, they would probably get five weeks of a training camp, maybe six weeks of a training camp to potentially do that. There's still border issues to resolve. Um, You know, there's talk of this all-Canadian division. If there's still border restrictions in place between Canada and the U.S. due to COVID-19 and the pandemic situation, you... Um, you know, there's talk, there's been some talk. I saw there was a report in the Toronto Star recently about the potential of a rapid COVID test being available to anybody who comes into Canada um, that would change the quarantine restrictions on on individuals coming in, which would include, of course, any members of a traveling party of uh, uh, NHL club. Um, so that could kind of be a little bit of a game changer, but that's not official yet. Um, so, you know, there are still a lot of logistical issues to deal with when it comes to whether that January 1st date is going to be on target or not. There's a lot of speculation is that it'll be pushed back at least a couple of weeks, maybe to the middle of January. Um, and then they'll have to see whatever it is. We know that the league is, is working and dealing with all sorts of scenarios to try and put the season, the 2020-21 season, which will, let's face it, basically be just the 2021 season, in whatever schedule that might look like. But we've gotten a little bit of insight here uh, recently as to where things might be heading because um, the junior leagues, which are not tied to the NHL, of course, uh, but they're indicators. I remember all those junior leagues shut down in March. You know, there was no playoffs in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League or the OHL, the Ontario Hockey League, or the WHL. So all these teams have been shut down since March. The only one of those leagues that has resumed play of any sort has been the Quebec League. And they've been playing exhibition games, but they've had some situations. They've had teams have to shut down for two-plus weeks due to COVID outbreaks with their teams. So there are still games going on with the Q, but they're not... um, you know, they're, they've had some issues with that uh, up in the Quebec area. Of course, there's teams in New Brunswick and Prince Edward Island as well. Um, so the Q is actually back and playing. The other leagues, however, were all waiting to see when they might restart. Well, we know that the Western Hockey League, the WHL, which does include, by the way, a couple of lightning prospects uh, that were taken this year in the draft. Um one of them being Gage Gonclavis. Uh, so the WHL has a tentative restart date of January the 8th. 
So that's the Western Hockey League. The uh, Ontario Hockey League, the OHL, and there's been some discussions up there that the, and uh, I don't know the Minister of Sport or what the title is, but there's been talk that if the OHL came back, they would not allow, first of all, they'd ban fighting and body checking. So I, I don't know how you could pull that off. But the OHL just came out uh, today, actually, as I'm recording this, uh, of a February 4th start date. Uh, again, these are all tentative, and they're all working towards these dates, but none of them are set in stone as of right now, um, especially the AHL. The AHL is is a, um, obviously it's the top minor league feeder, feeder system for the NHL, but you've heard a lot uh, in the last couple of days regarding the AHL that there might actually be some teams that don't play depending on what can do. I know um, the AHL commissioner, who is now Scott Housen, who takes over this year, former uh, Columbus and Edmonton uh, f- uh, front office executive, is now in charge of the AHL. Uh, but there might be some teams that don't even come back and play. Um, Syracuse, by the way, will not be one of those teams. They will come back and play. Their owner, Howard Dolgan, uh, spoke about that yesterday, that they would... Um, you know, they would come back and play. They they have the uh, wherewithal and, and the financial um, security to be able to do that. So uh, that'll be the case. Now, here's the thing why that's kind of interesting to target, because there was a lot of questions about whether or not the NHL and the AHL, which usually coincide with their seasons, usually the, OA, um, the AHL resumes play or starts their play about a week after the NHL, usually the weekend after the NHL starts, the AHL will start. So it is significant to me that the AHL comes out with a February 5th start of their season. Uh, We know how much the AHL is dependent upon attendance. Uh, That factors into this. They had originally talked about the second week of December. Uh, Obviously, they've pushed that back now two months because of the attendance issues. The AHL needs fans in the stands. They need sponsorships. They need all that stuff. They don't operate like an NHL team does. They they have to have fans in the stands. And it's not a ton. You know, a lot of these buildings seat five, 6,000 people. There are some bigger arenas in the American Hockey League. But like the War Memorial in Syracuse seats, I believe, about seven to 8,000 at, uh, at most. You know, um, you know, so but you know the NHL needs ticket sales. It's, they need ticket sales more than the NHL needs ticket sales. They don't have the sponsorship deals. They don't have the television contracts. They, there's some games are televised, and certainly in Canada, some of the games are televised. You see some of them broadcast on the NHL network here in the U.S. But um, you know they need fans in the stands. So you're going to see some teams that are not able to participate in the season. It'll be interesting to see how that comes uh, into fruition, but. Uh, it's significant to me because, you know, the NHL and the AHL tend to have their seasons overlap. Usually the AHL starts just before or just after the NHL. So if we see that date, the AHL, and there's been a return to play committee for the AHL that has included some NHL executives that does have Steve Eiserman on that panel, so in conjunction with, so does that kind of start to materialize some looks of, you know, what an NHL season start date might be around? I, I think we can start to, I want to say narrow that down 
but maybe that gray area is starting to become a little bit more clear in terms of when it all might come down in terms of when the NHL might start. So I, I think we have to expect that the January 1st target date is not going to be a target date. I, I think that that date's actually going to end up being pushed back probably at least a couple of weeks. You know, and, and in a lot of ways, this makes sense to me. If if you started January 1st, as I mentioned, you would have to start your training camps mid-December. Well, that's right around Christmas. We know one of the things about the NHL is that they do not have games on the 24th, the 25th, or the 26th. And in fact, there's no team activities on the 24th, the 25th, or the 26th. So if you were going to start a training camp in the middle or beginning of December, that would run into Christmas. Am I correct? You know, so uh, I would have to imagine that if if you started training camps for the NHL just after Christmas begins, and again, there's a lot of logistics at play, especially with the border situation, but, you know, that would kind of give you your rough time frame to start middle towards the end of January. Uh, I think we have to bank on the fact that you're not going to be able to play a full 82-game season. But, you know, we'll we'll see what comes. But I, I think we start to have a little bit of a better idea uh, here in the coming weeks of what things might start to look like with the NHL as the other leagues have now put out dates in which they will return to action. Uh, one other quick note. Uh, you heard me mention Gage Gonclavis a little bit earlier. He plays with Everett in the uh, WHL, he was chosen or selected by Team Canada to take part in their selection camp for the World Juniors. And the World Juniors is going to be pretty much on track this year. Uh, They will start actually on Christmas Day as opposed to Boxing Day, which is the 26th. Typically they start on the 26th, but with the entire World Juniors taking place in one city, one rink, usually it's two cities, two rinks, one city, one rink in Edmonton inside the same bubble that the NHL used for their playoffs and the Stanley Cup uh, final there at Rogers uh, Arena. Uh, that'll be the location of it. So Gonclavis is one of 46 players that was selected to Team Canada's camp uh, that will begin on November the 16th. Now, uh, as we mentioned, these other leagues, the WHL will not start until January 8th, the OHL not until February 4th. Um, so this is not going to affect those leagues at all. Typically in the middle of their seasons is when these training camps and everything else take place. Uh, but now this will be, this is why it's extended. This is going to be a, a camp that starts November the 16th and runs through December 13th. And of course, the 13th is 12 days before the tournament is scheduled to begin. That's when the teams will start to arrive uh, in Edmonton for the tournament that, again, starts on Christmas Day and runs through January the 5th is when the gold medal game will take place. So Gonclavis, who was a second-round draft pick of Tampa Bay in the 2020 draft, um, this most recently, earlier this month, uh, is a part of this group. He is one of 26 forwards that will be part of the roster. Uh, again, um, you know, it doesn't mean he's on the team. Uh, they are expanding the rosters this year uh, to uh, give two additional spots uh, beyond um, a forward. So there's two additional roster spots. Uh, sorry, goaltender. There's, there'll be three goaltenders 
uh, that will be part of the team, but they're expanding it by two skaters as well. Um, so I think that means you can carry up to 14 forwards um, and then I think 15, um, 15 forwards and lost track of my thought. Um, you would carry, I think, eight defensemen. And I think, uh, I guess I think 15 forwards is what you could carry for this tournament. So again, going Clavis, uh, who plays forever in the WHL. Um, he is one of these forwards that will be part of Team Canada's selection camp for the World Junior Tournament. Uh, so that's good news. Uh, we talked to Al Murray at the end of the draft, and he had mentioned that Gonclavis um, was part of their virtual Canada Team Canada's virtual summer camp to uh, kind of lay the groundwork for this upcoming selection camp. So it's good news for Gonclavis that he is a part of this um, World Junior situation. So uh, one other um, piece of news to pass along, this has kind of you know brought up some controversy here in the last few days. Um, the Arizona Coyotes and their draft pick, Mitchell Miller, uh, they've renounced the draft rights to Miller, who was their, their, oh, their first pick of the draft. He wasn't a first-round draft pick. They... Coyotes didn't have, uh, I think, in the, the the fourth round as their first selection. So if you're not familiar with the story, Miller was convicted in uh, as a juvenile for bullying a African-American student with special needs. And I don't want to get into the details, but it was a pretty disgusting story. And when I first heard about this, I was uh, of the light that, you know, should something that somebody did at the age of 14, you know, still carry with them, you know, five years later as you start to become an adult. Um, you know, there's all been things that we have done in our youth that you probably aren't proud of, that you probably, um, you know, regret. Uh, not all of it led to you know, juveniles situations for sure. But, um, you know, as you start to read this story, though, and understand the actions that took place and the, the bullying that Miller did for an extended period of time before he was caught, it's it's revolting. And the fact that Miller was even selected by a team at all, you know, there were a lot of teams who took him off their list because of this incident. Uh, and of course, Arizona uh, had, a, you know, a GM change. John Chica left just before the playoffs did begin. Uh, so they had some changeover in GM status. And somewhere along the way, this uh, this Mitchell Miller got put back onto the the list of, of players that they would consider selecting. And uh, the thing that's that I think stands out about this whole uh, scenario is that Miller did not apologize to the pl uh, the the kid or the family for his actions, but he did write a letter to thirty one all thirty one NHL teams apologizing for his actions, but never did it to the victim. That's so I, I think that's where this starts to come down. So. Um, but that news came down again as we were uh, as I was recording this that there is no um they've renounced the 
rights to Miller, Arizona has. So um, I believe he's uh, at the University of North Dakota, which is where uh, Miller is at. So again, uh, he has renounced, the, the Coyotes have renounced their draft rights to Mitchell Miller. Don't be left out. Make sure you subscribe to the Lightning Insider on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else where podcasts are found. Now, here again is Eric. All right. Uh, I, I, all the questions were answered. Um, you know, the questions that I got in, typically we would look into answering, you know, your questions um, here at the end of this. But the, but they were all um Basically involving the the maroon and Shen situations because I even got another one here from uh, ARNDTJC. Uh, did the two signings become unofficial? Does that mean this there's a plan in place to get the ball rolling on the rest of the moves needed to be made? It, it can be viewed that way. I could see where that thought process is, but again, nothing imminent from what I understand um, right now uh, moving forward. So, all right, uh, I do want to now play this portion of my interview with Steven Stamkos um, that I did a couple of weeks ago. Again, if you haven't, the, the full, basically the full interview that I held with Steven Stamkos is available on my website, lightninginsider.com. There are four parts that are there. Uh, so you can read the full extent of what we discussed, but this is going to be another little snippet of what we, uh, we did talk about. Uh, so this is Steven Stamkos talking about his return to Game 3 of the Stanley Cup Final uh, and scoring the goal and kind of what he went through. So uh, this is, again, Lightning Captain Steven Stamkos. Uh, at what point did you know that you you were going to play, that obviously you wanted to play, but at what point did you know you were going to get into a game? Well, I, I think it was kind of uh, we had lost Game 1 of the Finals and – I started kind of putting it in the coach's ears and, and Julian's ears that, listen, like, I, I think I'm at a point um, where I can I can play. And obviously then the questions become, you know, are, how's your conditioning? Do you think, like, you could play a full game? And things like that. And you talk to the medical staff and, you know, we just got to a point where I, I just felt comfortable and I did. I felt confident that I could play a full game, you know, I wasn't going to go out there, you know, just playing four or five minutes. My intention was to, you know, when I got into the lineup to play the rest of the series, it, it, it just didn't work out that way. So I'd say about game two, we had the thought, um, and we said, okay, let's see how game two goes, and then we'll kind of go from there. And and then uh, I think it was the night before game three, um I had a chat with Coop, and, and he told me I was in. So um, that was a tough night to sleep for sure, but um, I was just really excited about getting that opportunity. So leading the team out to the tunnel for warm-up and then for the game uh, behind Vazzy, of course, what what was that moment like after what you'd been through, uh, the injury, uh, the family situation, to, to put yourself in that position? Not the same, of course. There's no fans in the stands. There's nobody screaming you know, trying to get your energy. So as you walked out onto the ice, what was that like? What kind of thoughts went through your head? Yeah, I mean, it's probably as nervous as I've been in a long time for for a hockey game. Um, I mean, I've played a lot of hockey games in this league and been around a while, and you know how to manage those. But I I was definitely extremely nervous, kind of getting thrown into an NHL, you know, final game. But uh, I think maybe not having the fans there 
you know, maybe that helps a little because that gets you even more amped up. But sometimes when you're too amped up, you know, you, you can't really focus on what's going on. So that kind of helped me just focus in. And once I got out there and warm up, you know, and, and kind of went back into my routine, you, you just kind of just rely upon your past experiences. But, I mean, it was it was emotional for sure just to get back out there in, in such a positive way um, and know that, you know, I wanted to try to do anything I could to, to continue um, you know, this amazing run that, that these guys were on. So I just wanted to jump in and be part of that. And, uh, and like I said, I, I had no intention of, of not, you know, playing, um, you know, more than a couple of minutes. I, I was going in there to play the rest of the series, but as it worked out, actually on right before the goal, when I went around, uh, I think it was Lindell, yeah. he kind of stepped up on me and I made that move to the, to the right and just felt, you know, my kind of left groin, lower abdominal, just kind of tear, um, like fully. And I knew I just, you know, I had the puck, I had to step on him. I said, I'm going to come down here and shoot it. And it went in and then it was just kind of a blur after that. I think, you know, Patty came and we jumped and hugged and then just so much adrenaline. But I knew at that moment, as soon as I went around the defenseman, I knew that, you know, something was really, really wrong. And, you know, I think I tried to get out there for one more shift after that. But I knew at that point that, you know, the season was, was over for me. And, you know, I, I just kind of was just loving it every moment of being on the bench with those guys and, you know, continuing to be there throughout the game. And it, it was just a great experience for, for me. So you know, you know, you did something. You're injured, and yet you're still able to kind of deal with that, go down and score a goal. I mean, that's that's remarkable. Like, if you know something's wrong, how do you just not stop? How do you not go? Oh, you know, just drop. Like seriously. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it was just. Uh, I think obviously it, it it wasn't like a thing where like you know your legs in half. It, it was one <laughs> of those things where. I went around them. I felt it immediately. I knew, you know, I could just keep, you know, trying to skate and, and you know, fire one. And that's why I just go back to, like, it, it was just kind of one of those moments where it was just, like, you know, kind of right out of a fairy tale that that, that happened. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, things just kind of take over your body in those moments. And... Uh, it was just one of those, it was definitely one of those moments. And, you know, I haven't really experienced that type of moment in, in my life. And now I have. So it, it was pretty, pretty remarkable. I mean, I was just so happy to be able to share that with, you know, those guys on the bench, um, you know, with this group especially. It, it was just, it, it, was a, it was an amazing moment, not only for me, but for, for my family and, and my friends. Right, so that was another little snippet, if you will, of my extensive interview with Steven Stamkos. Again, if you want the full story, if you want everything we talked about, you can find that at lightninginsider.com. If you're not a subscriber and you want to be, if you use the promo code PODCAST when you sign up and check out, you'll get uh, $10 off your first yearly subscription. That's at lightninginsider.com. And again, the promo code is PODCAST. All right, don't forget about the tri- the trivia question. Uh, if you want a chance at a free signed copy of my book, Lightning Strikes, 
uh, answer the trivia question, which is in part three of the series with Steven Stamkos, he mentioned one player who was with him basically that didn't go to sleep the night they won the Stanley Cup, and uh, he called it the straggler. Him and another player were a straggler heading back to the rooms before packing up to get ready to head back to Tampa with the Stanley Cup in tow. So give me that other player. You can direct message me on Twitter at Eric underscore Erlinson or email me Eric at lightninginsider.com for a chance at a free signed copy of my book. Uh, don't forget the promo code is still out there too for Smack Apparel. If you go to smackapparel.com, go to any of their Lightning merchandise, their Tampa hockey related merchandise. You use the code Lightning2020. You get 20% off your purchase of any of those um, T-shirts or other uh, paraphernalia, other items that they have uh, in that aspect. So uh, make sure you check out Smack Apparel. Com. All right, that's going to wrap up another edition here of the Lightning Insider Podcast. As always, thanks, everybody, for listening. Make sure you subscribe so these pop into your uh, podcast provider. As soon as they're up and ready, you can listen to them. Um, five-star review on the iTunes. That means so much to me when you do that. Thanks to everybody who has already done that. Uh, I can't thank you enough. So continue subscribing. Continue to listen. Uh, we'll have a season soon. We'll have it soon enough. I don't know when. But we'll have it. These podcasts will continue to go periodically, though, throughout this uh, unusual offseason. So uh, until we talk again, thanks, everybody. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.